There was a man, a 75-year-old man who was raised in a polytheistic culture, which means his community worshipped multiple gods. And they worked really hard to please these gods. But these gods were unpredictable, and they paid no attention to the humans. The humans existed to serve them. But the humans wanted their lives to go well. They believed that they needed the gods' help. They wanted good fortune, prosperity, and protection. They needed fertile land so that they could eat. They, they needed children to pass on their names. And they tried to earn blessings by making these gods happy. Have you ever tried to control life by behaving in certain ways so that God is entitled to bless you? Or maybe you've been afraid that if you don't do certain things, God would punish you. If you've ever felt that way, then you might know a little bit about what it was like to live in this culture. And this man that I began telling you about, well, his name is Abram, which means exalted father, but actually he wasn't a father. And at this time, he was 75 years old and his wife was 65 years old. And then one day God, the one and only God, came to him and told him that he was going to bless him and make his name great. He told him that his descendants would be many and that he would inherit land and that the whole world would be blessed through his seed. All of the things that the people in his homeland tried to get from the gods. God promised him descendants, land, a great name, but it wasn't just for him. It was so that everyone would be blessed through him. And God told him that he needed to leave and go to a land that he would be shown. And actually, he lived in a very prosperous city called Ur. And he was quite wealthy. In other words, he lived comfortably in a bustling city of trade. But Abram obeyed. He asked God, where? And God said, I'll show you. And this man went. His life took a 180-degree turn. Maybe God separated him from his homeland and the people there because he wanted to teach him a new way of life. He wanted to teach him a new way of relating to God. God gave him unconditional relationship through a covenant, and that was nothing like he had ever experienced. He had never known or believed in a God who cared about humans and wanted to live in a relationship with them. That would take some getting used to. This man's name was Abram. It would later be changed to Abraham, so we'll just call him Abraham tonight. His name did become great, and he did inherit land, and his descendants are as many as the stars in the sky. And he grew in his faith and in his ability to trust God. And when we were children, we learned a song about him. Do y'all remember that song? Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham, and I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Very good. That's right. So we have a lot to talk about tonight, um, about this man named Abraham and the hope of redemption that God began to bring through him. But first, I want to ask you guys to pull out your timelines because we're, we want to look at where we've been and now where we're going. Because we are moving into a new period, and we're also moving into a new letter on the front of your book. 
So you guys know that this is called, this curriculum is called Casket Empty, and the word casket represents God's redemptive plan through the Old Testament. So each letter represents something so that it's easier for you to remember God's redemptive history. Um, So casket stands for creation, Abraham, Sinai, kings, exile, and temple. Very good. And we're going to memorize that. By the end of this course, you're going to know that. And then, of course, empty is the New Testament course, and it stands for expectations, Messiah, Pentecost, teaching, and yet to come. So let's talk about creation because tonight we're moving from creation to Abraham, the C to the A. So I want to ask you to look at your timeline, and let's talk about some of the things that that we learned when we were talking about how God created the world, his original design. What are some of the things you learned from that? It was very good. Yep, say that again. Yep, man was to rule. There was a mandate. Yep, created in God's image. Mm, to have a relationship with God. God would provide. God really showed what his original design was, right? We saw how he meant for the world to be, how he meant for his relationship with humanity to be. And then, of course, we know the fall. What were your takeaways from, from that? Mm-hmm. Mm. When man sinned, he hid. He hid from God. Yep. Very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was separated from God. The reason I'm repeating what you guys are saying is so that it's captured with audio. Like God showed us what the original design was, and then we now understand why humanity needs to be rescued, right? Those are the points in the redemptive history, how God created things to be and why it's no longer that way, why humanity needs a Savior. Um, And then tonight we're going to be talking about, as we move into Abraham, the turning point in Genesis 12. It's the turning point where we now see the new covenant Uh, starting to be fulfilled through Abraham. And we see this hope for restored blessing, for restored relationship. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. But first, we're going to start with a table discussion, okay? Our first table discussion. Where do I point it, Megan? Yep. There we go. Yep. There we go. Oh, whoops, sorry. There we go. So around your tables tonight, first of all, make sure you introduce yourself again so that we are just continue getting to know each other. But I want you to share one thing that stood out to you this week from your study. 
and, and then maybe if there's something you still don't understand, and then the table leaders are going to let me know what some of those things are just so we can make sure we're covering those things throughout the course. But give you, I'll give you about seven minutes to, to talk around the table. All right, we'll get started. We'll keep going here. Most weeks we're going to start with that question. We're going to start with what was your takeaway? Um, we're going to try to do that every week. Um, okay, so let me, let me read Genesis 12, 1 to 4, because, again, this is the turning point. This is, this is as we're moving into um, this plan of redemption that God is starting to unfold. So Genesis 12, 1 to 4, The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. So Abraham is a very significant character in the redemptive story. Um, you, you might recall how many times in the Bible it talks about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It, 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 that's, that's a way that God describes himself, and it is because this is the beginning of this redemptive plan being unfolded through Abraham. Isaac, Jacob, and then, of course, you know, Jacob's 12 sons are the 12 tribes of Israel, and then eventually to all nations. So these are the patriarchs of our faith, and you might, you might think that tonight we're going to be looking at our faithancestry.com, okay? Our bottom line for tonight is God's plan for redemption is beginning to unfold through one man that became one family, that became one nation, that led to one Savior for the whole world. And if you're like me, I'm a context person. Before, even before I make a decision, I want to know everything, every piece of knowledge there is before I make a decision because the context is so important to me. And I will say that as I read the Old Testament, I really have to understand the culture in order to properly interpret um, the Scripture as I'm reading it. So I want to start talking a little bit about the culture of Abraham's time because he for 75 years grew up in this polytheistic culture and imagine how difficult it would be to just stop living those those beliefs and those behaviors so on this next slide I've created I hope you can read this I've created these three columns the first one is is looking at that culture, that polytheistic culture that Abraham grew up in. And then the middle column is monotheism, which Christianity is. And then I just added that third column. I'm not going to really talk about that third column, but basically kind of more what our culture is today, people who don't believe in God. Um, but in, in, the, in the time of Abraham's life, people believed in many gods. And, of course, you know that Christianity, we believe in one God. Um, in polytheism, creation has always existed. Gods are born and die. In monotheism, in Christianity, God has always existed, and God created the world. God is eternal. So that's a difference between those two cultures. 
in polytheism, humanity was created to serve the gods and do what they need. And in Christianity, hum humanity was created because God wanted to create a people to love and to live in relationship with. In polytheism, gods must be pleased in order that life goes well for humans. So humans' behavior and their offerings to the gods um, is what they feel will earn them favor with the gods. And of course, in Christianity, um, relationship is based on faith. And behavior and worship, are, they flow out of, an, of a gratitude and an appreciation for God's love. So in Abraham's day, that culture tried to control life by appeasing God's. And, of course, we know that we live in a trust relationship with God, surrendered to his plan. And then, lastly, gods didn't care. the gods didn't care about humans. Um, and then, of course, God cares so much for us that he walked, he walked through the covenant for us, and he redeems us. So what I want you to do now around your table is I want you to think about... Um, how Abraham might have experienced this change in culture. And I want you to look for, or I want you to identify something that might have been a challenge for him and something that might have been a blessing or a joy for him. And then I want you to decide at your table what you want to share with the whole group. So I will ask each table to share one challenge and one joy. Okay, any questions about that? And then I did put a couple of these on your table. And I can go back to the graph on the screen as well. Any questions about that table discussion? Okay. All right, are you guys ready? Are y'all ready to share? Okay. Who wants to share a challenge and a joy? It's a challenge. <laughs> what, um, what, 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 what are possible challenges that Abraham might have faced? You, that one might be your wife's going to get pregnant. That'd be a challenge. Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's true. Mm. Yeah. They did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exhausting. Oh, my goodness. Yes. It would be very exhausting trying to please all those gods. I know. I think exhausting is a great word for that. Stressful. St constant striving to please the gods. Yeah. Always thinking that whatever happened to you is because you didn't do something, you know, well enough. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Trusting all that time.
Yeah, that's a good point. Right, that's good. Very good. Anything else that would be a challenge, you think, going from polytheism to monotheism? Yeah. Living completely different than everyone around you. Mm-hmm. Not not a community to, to hold you accountable to that, right? For so long. Yeah. The author of Casket Empty talks about she, li- she grew up in Australia. And she's now lived in the United States for, like, I can't remember, 20 years or something. But she talked about that, how hard it even is to be in America and have having lived in Australia most of her life. Yeah. What about um, a joy? What would be something that would be a blessing to Abraham? Mm, to know God and be known by him. That, is, that would be a very different experience. This God wants to know me. Yeah. Dave? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. They never fulfilled a promise. Yeah, good point. Good, good observation. Right. Mm. What you do matters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. Very good. Excellent. Um, we'll continue just kind of trying to get to know this culture because it's so different, isn't it? That whole culture is so different than what we've, what we've ever experienced. So God speaks to Abraham and tells him that he's going to bless him. And you know what? It has been a very long time since God has blessed anyone or since the scripture has talked about God blessing anyone. So you can look at this graph and see that God blessed Adam and Eve. The scripture says God blessed Adam and Eve. He told them to be fruitful and multiply. 1,656 years later, you see that word blessing. He blessed Noah. He reaffirmed the creation mandate. And then 422 years later, he blessed Abraham and Sarah. And this was so interesting. I read this. It says the word blessed was used two times in scripture that represented over 2,000 years and now it's used five times in two verses pertaining to Abraham in Genesis 12. That just really stood out to me. Um, so, yeah, God promised to bless Abraham with land, that he would give him many descendants, a people. He would be the father of nations, and that everyone would be blessed through him, and that his name would be great. And then in Genesis 15, um, God restated the blessing, some of the blessings, and Abraham asked, how will I know? And then God gives him his word using something in that culture that Abraham would understand, a covenant. God cut a covenant. And, of course, um, today that would be a contract, a notary, that kind of thing. But in that culture, that's what you did is you cut a covenant. And so that covenant is known as the Abrahamic covenant. 
And we are going to do another quick table discussion. All of our table discussions are kind of at the beginning, and then we'll have, more, we'll have some more teaching. But I want you, this is actually from your study guide. Um, I want you to talk about what do you learn from Genesis 15 about the Abrahamic covenant, who initiates it and guarantees it, and what is promised and foretold. So I'll give you um, a little bit of time to talk about the Abrahamic Covenant, and then we will have a, a large group discussion on what you talked about. Was that long enough? Was that long enough? Okay. All right, let's talk. Oh, your table's a little slow. That's funny. Okay, what did you guys talk about? What did you learn about um, this cutting of this covenant? God initiated it. Mm-hmm. Nothing was required of Abraham. It's an unconditional covenant. Very good. What else did you learn about the cutting of the covenant? Oh, yeah. Kings would be part of his descendants. Yeah, he he would have a royal line. Right. You know, that word actually, in most um, translations, says made. But actually, that word is cut. That word is literally cut, which, as you read, you know, Abraham took these animals and he literally cut them in half, right? Very messy. Very messy, very costly to sacrifice those animals. So he took, he cut a heifer in half. He cut a goat in half. A ram in half. Think about how hard that would be to do. I mean, we read those words in the scripture and we don't, sometimes we don't just slow down and think, can you imagine doing that? And then laying, laying them open. Um, And then why do you think God placed Abraham in a deep sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God walked through. Wasn't, wasn't going to be something that Abraham, yeah, could. Hmm? Hmm. Yeah. Well, he uh, it, he appeared in he appeared as a what does it say in the passage, a pillar of fire or something like that. Yeah, but Abraham and God walked through, because it was an unconditional covenant. God was the one that was going to f- is fulfilled that promise, right? What else do you notice about the covenant? Mhm, mhm, mhm. Yeah, that's part of the the blessing, the promise. Mm -hmm. We're going to keep talking about these covenants because remember last week we talked about the Noahic covenant. And then tonight we're talking about the Abrahamic covenant. We'll continue talking about covenants. I hope you were able to watch that Bible Project video on covenants. It's really good if you didn't have a chance. Um, You know, eventually we'll get to the book of Jeremiah and we'll begin talking about the new covenant right? 
Um, so I'm going to go to this. I don't know what, why I keep wanting to create graphs um, because I don't typically like to create graphs, but I created another graph that we're going to look at a little bit. So these are the blessings that are tied to the covenant. Land, seed, a people. All the peoples of the earth will be blessed through Abraham. He will become the father of nations, and his name will be great. And so we can kind of see here these two columns, or we see the column of what was promised, and then we see Abraham's reality. Um, And then, of course, we see the future reality. So the first um, promise of land, now Abraham did have land when he was in Ur, but since he left Ur, he's a wanderer, never having a permanent home. In fact, the only land that was ever his was the land where he was buried. That, that's his current reality. Um, and land is security. Right? Land is security, but it also symbolizes rest. And ultimately, Abraham um, found rest in his heavenly home. Uh, Hebrews eleven sixteen says that Abraham was looking for a heavenly home, and we will inherit that same heavenly home. And of course, his descendants did eventually inherit the promised land. And then we look at seed. God will give Abraham descendants so numerous that you can't even count them. And this is the place of Abraham's greatest pain. This is the place of Abraham's greatest pain because he has no heir. And he most likely thought that Lot would be his heir. But then remember, Lot began to distance himself from Abraham. So then Abraham would have known, my heir is not going to be my nephew Lot. Then he thought he was going to have to adopt one of his servants, so Eleazar. But then remember in Genesis 15, God told him, no, it's, it's going to be your biological son. So then what happened? So then Abraham thought, well, it's going to be my biological son. So then he thought it was going to, it was going to be the son through Sarah's servant, Hagar, remember? And as I, just, as I thought about this, the word that kept coming to my mind is anticipation. That really stuck out to me. Abraham is trying to anticipate who his heir will be. It's important. He wants to know the plan. You ever wanted to know the plan? <laughs> right? Like, I want to know the plan. He wants to know what will happen. And even um, after he learns that his heir will be his biological son, he and Sarah decide to help God make that happen themselves, right? You ever want to make something happen yourself and you, and you don't have the patience to wait until it unfolds, right? There's this unfolding when we trust God. You have to wait for his timing to unfold. Um, his, his job is to unfold the plan and our job is to trust, right? That's hard, isn't it? That's really hard, um, You know, we aren't supposed to try to anticipate or figure things out. Uh, We don't go to Google. I do that. I go to Google. Even kind of what I'm going through right now with my medical issues, I want to, like, diagnose myself. Has anybody ever tried to do that? And then I'm like, what are you doing? I'm, like, scaring myself to death, (laughs) you know? Like, Tammy, just wait till God unfolds this plan and and just trust him. 
And in this, between Abraham's reality and his future reality, just imagine that there's another little space, another little column there, and that represents the trust and the faith that Abraham had to have between his current reality and his future reality. It took God 25 years to unfold his plan for Isaac to be born to Abraham, 25 years from the time that God initially made that promise to him. It's a long time, 25 years. And um, at that time, I think Sarah was like 90 maybe. So God wanted that to be a supernatural. I mean, it would have been a supernatural birth when she was 65, but even more so when she's 90. And he wanted to make life out of something that was, that was barren, that was dead. Kind of reminds us of another supernatural birth that will be coming, right? Even more supernatural. Um, there's also a theological significance with that word seed that I want to talk about just a little bit. Um, what is the seed? You know, it talks about the seed. Uh, Genesis twenty two eighteen says, and in, your, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. So we know that that seed that it's talking about is Jesus. You know, we can look at Matthew 1 and we can see that Jesus is a part of the, the biological line. He is one of Abraham's biological descendants, but we also know that there's a spiritual aspect to that as well. So the lineage is important. It's very important. We know that the line started with Adam, moves to Noah, his son Shem, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, all the way to Jesus, and this is the royal bloodline. Um, And we also know that everyone who has faith is a part of of this family, right? That word seed is a, is a word um, zera in Hebrew. And depending on the context, it could mean many, many descendants or it could mean one. It could be singular or plural. And one thing I really love is the way that the New Testament interprets the Old Testament. And in this case, we can read Galatians 3.16. So Paul interprets this for us. I love it so much when this happens. He says, now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one and to your offspring who is Christ. Actually, I have that on a, sorry, I have that on a slide. Um, So Jesus is part of the physical, biological lineage that the spiritual blessing comes through. There's another place that this word is used. This same word, seed. Can anyone guess when where that other place is in the scripture? Yeah. I hope I have that. Yeah. Perfect. Genesis 3.15, And I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. That's the same word. And that also is talking about Jesus. So Jesus is the seed in Genesis 3 and Genesis 22. I thought that was pretty cool, pretty amazing. Is there anything else about the graph that you want to bring up? Can we move on? 
Anything else that stands out to you about Abraham's current reality, the future reality, and these promises? He is blessed with material possessions, but he, he did survive a famine, temporary exile, conflict with Pharaoh over Sarah, a dispute with his nephew, regional war, um, and his name doesn't reach the greatness while he's alive, but of course now we, we would say yes. Now he's blessed with all the riches in Christ, as are we, given great honor as the father of our faith, and his name is great. And a whole nation will come from his descendants. Yeah. As you read the curriculum, um, one thing that Carol said is in your Bible, Genesis 15, 6, she said, underline it, put a star beside it, highlight it. Let's read this. It says, and Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. This is such an important verse for the redemptive story, okay? What do you notice about this verse? It's his faith. That's right. His faith is what God credited as righteousness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a very significant verse. Let's see what Romans uh, this is kind of exciting because we'll be studying this on Sunday morning in just a few weeks. Let's see what Romans says about Abraham's faith. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit too, assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him, the one who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was handed over to die because of our sins, and he was raised to life to make us right with God. So we are Abraham's children, and we are also credited with righteousness through faith. It's, it's faith. It always has been, right? When we have faith in the work of Christ, we're declared righteous. And we become a member of God's faith family. Faith family is the name of, of the chapter in our book. We become a member of God's faith family through our faith in Christ. And we're Abraham's descendants. You know, Father Abraham did have many sons. And daughters. <laughs> and I'm one of them and so are you. Belonging to Christ makes us Abraham's offspring. You are part of this family and this story. That promise in Genesis 12, you're a part of it. You're one of those descendants. The real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. And, of course, we know that the Gentiles were also a part of that plan. Non-Jewish people were part of that plan. From the beginning, this plan was for the entire world, for, the, for all nations. And God gave one man in the New Testament this special ministry of telling 
non-Jewish people that they are part of this promise. Who was that person? Paul. Paul. A couple of verses in Galatians here I wanted to read. Galatians 3.14, 3.13 and 14, I think. But, but Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham, so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. And then Galatians 3.28 is one of my very favorite verses. I love this verse so much. There's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. That is such a beautiful verse and such a beautiful truth. We are one family, God's faith family. And you know what? One day we will stand shoulder to shoulder in heaven, all nations, all tribes, After this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands, and they were shouting with a great roar, Salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. That's in Revelation. So we see the end of the story right there. We go from Genesis 12 to Revelation 7. Pretty amazing. On your uh, table, you'll see a handout sheet, and it says, what is biblical typology? Okay? So when we read the scripture, you know, we're looking for these moments because this course is about God's redemptive story. It's about God's redemptive history. So it's not a survey. It's not, we're not looking at everything in the Old Testament. We're looking at the moments, the characters, the events that are part of this redemptive story, right? But there's also something else we're looking for that we're, that we are noticing, and it's, it's, it's um, the foreshadowing of in the Old Testament of what, what will be fulfilled in the New Testament. So if you'll look at this, that first paragraph, it says typology is just a fancy way of saying symbols, foreshadowing, types of an object that represent something else. In the Jewish sacrificial system, they sacrificed a lamb at Passover. This was a type. In the New Testament, Jesus becomes the ultimate Passover lamb sacrifice. Um, One thing I learned about typology that I did not know is on the back, and it says, as mentioned in the article above, a type must be explicitly mentioned in the New Testament. It's slightly different from an illustration. We may be able to draw parallels between the lives of Jesus and the lives of Old Testament heroes, such as Joseph or Daniel, but the New Testament never directly links the two. So to be considered something that's considered a typology, it's something that you'll read about also in the New Testament. So I thought for our next table discussion, which is our last table discussion, um, I want you to, let me get here, oh, there we go. And this is part, this was one of your homework um, questions. You looked at the Abraham being tested 
Um, list the ways that you see Abraham's sacrifice of Isaac in Genesis 22 as a foreshadowing of the sacrifice of Christ. Okay? I'll give you, we'll give you maybe seven to ten minutes to talk about that. And literally, it'd be great if you make a list, if you truly make a list. It'd be great. All right, what, what came out during your discussion? What's your, what does your list say? All right. Only son. Did y'all notice the same the same words used? Mm-hmm. Very good. Very good. God provided the object of sacrifice. Very good. Isaac carried the wood. And he carried and Jesus carried the cross. Good one, good one. We need to make, we, yeah, I should be like writing this down. Good one, Daniel. You're, Isaac obeyed his father like Jesus obeyed his father. Very good. Wow. I hope somebody's writing all these down. Seriously, and then, and then we'll send them out in our next email. But, uh, both are on the hill. Listen, I'm going to tell you, I want to remind you again about the trip to Israel. If you're interested, let us know. We'll give you more details on that. But um, this happened on Mount Moriah, right? And that is where the Church of the Holy Sepulchre is in Israel. Has anybody been to Israel? And this is one of the places that they think, that they say that the crucifixion could have happened. So it would have been the exact same place, if they're correct. So, yeah, that's very good. Yeah, that's true. Can't can't be, can't be too far off. That's right. Anything else? Deanne. <laughs> yeah, both of them had like a some kind of supernatural, yeah, conception. Yeah, a virgin or. Right, neither were deserving. That's right. That's a good point. Very good. The the sacrifice was appropriate, supernatural, and required blood. Yeah, good. Okay, say that again. Say Oh, the summit of the story? Yeah. Right, right. That's right. Very good. Anything else? Had you guys ever heard of typology before? I'm just curious. Okay. It's interesting. All right. Um Let's circle back, since we have a, f- a few extra minutes, let's circle back to your first discussion. Um, what are your takeaways from this week? And is there anything you want to learn more about? Because we have, our, we have three of our teachers in the back, and we'd love to hear, is there anything that's still confusing that we, that we want to spend a little more time on in the next few weeks? I'm going to write it down. Yes, ma'am. Nope, I can get back to the bottom line. There it is.
Yeah. Takeaways or things that are still unclear that you'd love to learn more about? Why the animals were cut in half. Does anybody know why the animals were cut in half? I'm going to assume. Oh, Lisa, go ahead. Right. Right. Did y'all hear that? I'm like struggling. I'm going to I'm going to say it into I'm sorry. Yes. Yes, both individuals were to walk through a covenant. God did it. But yes, basically you're saying, if I don't fulfill what I have promised, may what happened to these animals happen to me. Yeah. That's a good question. Well, he couldn't, right? His character wouldn't allow it, right? Right. Yeah, very good. Yeah, his character wouldn't allow it. He couldn't. Um any other takeaways from the week? Maybe something that you learned, something that would help others. Um, questions you may have. No worries if you don't. You know you can always respond to my email if there's something you want the teaching team to, to make sure we cover. Questions you have, suggestions you have. We're really trying to create a learning environment here where we can ask any question and even the teachers can say, what do you guys think? We don't know. <laughs> like we're not always the experts on things. So we, we just want to be doing this together, learning together. If there's no other um, takeaway or question, then we're going to end with our personal reflection time, okay? In your, in your personal reflection, I'll just give you about five minutes. You know, we talked about living in the hustle, talked about striving, maybe living on the hamster wheel. When we think about that our right relationship with God is through faith, because of our faith we can rest in who we are in Christ. The question that I want you to think about in your personal reflection time is are you living in the reality that you are righteous in God's eyes because of your faith? Or do you find yourself living with a lack of security or trying to earn God's favor? How might you live more from your identity as a fully accepted, loved child of God this week? Even think about it in terms of this week, how can I live more in that rest of who I am because of my faith? I'll give you about... Give you about five minutes and then we'll close in prayer, okay?